So an anonymous ACC coach just gave his take on the Miami Hurricanes. How do we feel about this? Too harsh, too generous, or just right? You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host, University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. For the everydayers, we have a loaded week coming up. We've already had a loaded week. Isaiah Thomas, Miami Verbal Commit, joined us yesterday. So the Athlon Sports previews are dropping for this 2023 season coming up. Uh, first and foremost, let me get their prediction for Miami out of the way. Where does Athlon Sports see the Hurricanes finishing this year? They predict Miami to finish with an 8-4 and four record and finish fourth in the ACC. And they rank Miami as the number 30 overall team in the country. Now, I'm kind of hoping and expecting Miami can finish the season ranked somewhere in the top 25, probably the lower half of the top 25 this year. But I got to tell you, man, the 8-4 and four prediction, I'm fine with that. That seems very fair. Right. Had they predicted six and six, I'd be kind of pissed. I'd be saying bias, bias. Why do they hate us so much? Had they gone, you know, like 10 and two, I'd say, oh, it's putting some pressure on us. That's a little generous. Eight and four. That's kind of in that Goldilocks zone. Just right. OK, I, I could see, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong and they do even better. But I could see Miami season playing out somewhere in that eight and four range, which would be a nice improvement over five and seven last year. And the eight and four. Pretty similar to where Las Vegas pegs Miami. Seven and a half is the over-under for Miami this year. But the juicy part of the Athlon Sports Preview isn't the win-loss prediction. I think the juicy part of it is, and they do this for every team, uh, for Miami, they spoke with an assistant coach inside the ACC who you know chose to remain anonymous. So we can only speculate who this person might be and what team they work for. But they got an anonymous take on Miami heading into the 2023 season from an ACC assistant coach. And this is what he had to say about the U. Let's dissect this. Let's talk about whether he's being accurate, first of all, fair or unfair. He said, no one can really explain why they looked so bad last season. Everyone in the league was terrified of them coming out of two-a-days, and then we all saw how terrible they were that first month. Former offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis didn't work at all, he said. Not sure if that's on him or Mario Cristobal or both. Doesn't really matter for them. They took a dark horse Heisman quarterback and ruined his game. Before last season, that kid had it. Decisive, quick throws, poise. Then he suddenly couldn't do anything. The idea is that Mario hired names instead of fits, but that doesn't make sense for a guy who knew the place he was going back to and who's already coached at a high level. This is a good roster, he says, a top half roster in this league for sure. I think it's really interesting that both new coordinators are known for being aggressive with their calls. The kids could really feed off that if they get it going. They need to play better on both sides for that to happen. Wow. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack from that. 
loaded paragraph uh, from an assistant coach. And uh, there, there are a few things I, you know, I don't know how much they chopped up what he said to get it into kind of a compact paragraph. If maybe they left some things out that could have added more context, but I, I thought that, you know, the, the analysis was accurate at times, a little bit incomplete and lacking context in other places. Now we can start with the Josh Gaddis part of it. I think every Miami football fan who watched that offense put up 19.4 points per game last year. We can all agree that Gaddis, who's no longer with us, thankfully, I mean, he's not dead. He's in Maryland, but he's no longer with the program. We could agree that Josh Gaddis was a big problem last season. Okay. Uh, I think that, you know, one of those things where I thought more context could have been necessary in that assessment was, I think this anonymous coach kind of conveniently skipped over the fact that when we're talking about why Miami was so bad last year, and I guess like to his point, even with all the adversity that they dealt with last year, they probably still shouldn't have been that bad. But as you know, some of the reasons why Miami was so bad last year, he skipped over the fact that the Hurricanes had a catastrophic amount of injuries on the offensive line running back room, wide receiver room, and didn't have enough depth to compensate for that. He also didn't mention, you know, he did talk about Tyler Van Dyke, and he didn't didn't sound like he was blaming Van Dyke for much last year. Like, he really blamed more the coaching and the system because he, you know, talked about them taking a, a Heisman hopeful and, you know, completely, like, neutralizing his game. So he, he wasn't really taking anything away from Tyler. Uh, but he didn't mention, though, that, you know, yeah, Tyler started the season poorly, but he was finally finding some rhythm and then he got injured because his O-line couldn't protect him. So, you know, neglected to mention that, yeah, Miami only, you know, won five games last year, but they probably would have won a couple of more had they had a healthy starting quarterback if his offensive line didn't get him killed last year. Um, you know, I do agree with what that coach said about Mario hiring names instead of fits um you know hindsight is always 2020 of course but Cristobal last year after he took over he had to put that staff together in a hurry and he reached for a lot of shiny objects get me Charlie Strong to coach the linebackers get me the Broyles award winner to coach the offense get me a guy who's been at Auburn and Alabama to coach my defense uh so that's what Mario did last year and it didn't work uh he played it differently this year okay he went and got coordinators and assistant coaches that are hopefully more fits than names so I'd like to see if this is a course correction I agree with that anonymous coach saying that this is a good roster this year top half roster in the ACC he said I think it's probably a top third roster in the ACC and you know he didn't really note this in the breakdown if you compare last year to this coming season the roster is considerably deeper on paper than it was a season ago. So some of those issues that I talked about when you had catastrophic amounts of injuries in certain units and you couldn't compensate for it, A, hopefully you don't have that many injuries this year, but B, if you do, you've got more depth to compensate for that. I completely co-sign on what he said about the coordinators being aggressive in their calls. That's an MO for both of them. And when you talk about the type of athletes that play at Miami and the type of speed you hopefully have this year more of that you didn't have enough of last year on both sides of the football, they should thrive in that. I think that's what need that's what is needed for the type of athletes Miami has on the field. And, you know, specifically now that you have more depth and speed at wide receiver 
And you have a quarterback who thrived attacking downfield two years ago. Renewed aggression can only help. Okay. So I thought that that assessment on Miami was pretty truthful and poignant at times, a little bit incomplete and lacking context at other times, right? Because I think we're all hoping and praying that 2023 is a new day and it's a different roster and it's just things are going to be, I can't guarantee you how much better, but I think things are going to be better than they were a year ago. Folks, today's episode is going to be awesome. Speaking of wide receivers, we are going to be joined, I think, by a former Miami Hurricanes wide receiver going back to the 1990s. And we're going to be joined in a couple minutes here by the truth teller. Bruce Warner is going to join us here on a Truth Teller Tuesday. Before we get into all of that, I got a couple recruiting notes that I want to get out there. This I found to be really interesting as we're obviously watching players that Miami would like to flip from verbal commitments elsewhere. Well, one of those big fish that Miami's trying to flip, four-star safety. We know how Lance Guidry loves him, some safeties. Jalen Hayward, who happens to be a Georgia verbal commit, well, Jalen Hayward, he's got a Miami visit set up June 23rd, and we know Miami's trying to flip multiple Georgia commits, a four-star, five-star cornerback, I should say, Ellis Robinson the fourth, and four-star safety Jalen Hayward. This was an interesting recruiting update on him that came from uh, Jeremy Johnson, recruiting analyst from On3, who tweeted out this video. Georgia commit four-star safety Jalen Hayward playing in pool play today, sporting Miami sweats has an official visit set with the Hurricanes at the end of the month. Hayward, of course, is a player Miami would love to have at a position of need. Because remember, you've got to start loading up on safeties in a big way because Cam Kinchins almost certainly headed to the NFL after this coming season. And James Williams probably almost certainly headed to the NFL after this coming season. Both of those guys, I'm sure, would uh, would like to leave a season early. And then you're going to be, you know, you're, you're going to have a void to fill. I, you know, I like Markeith Williams. I like Caleb Spencer. You know, Brian Balaam's got some potential. Uh, and Miami's bringing in Isaiah Thomas we spoke to in the upcoming recruiting class and Dylan Day. But you still, you want to load up with more safeties. And Jalen Hayward is one of the absolute best. And I love the fact that his Miami visit, his official visit, is going to be on that June 23rd weekend. You know who else is going to be visiting on June 23rd? The ambassador himself, Judd Anderson. <laughs> I can't think of anyone better out there. If you're going to have someone singing the gospel and, you know, really singing the praises of Miami and helping to try and recruit and in this case, flip somebody. I can't think of a better candidate to help do that than Judd, our good friend of the show, who's going to be on that same visit weekend with Jalen Hayward. So obviously, you know, I, I know some Georgia fans might tune into this and be like, what is this idiot? He thinks because the guy's wearing Miami sweats that he's for sure flipping. Didn't say that. I mean, obviously you see that gear. You know, I, I take it as a positive sign that he at least likes Miami to an extent. We know he's got the official visit locked in. This is someone Miami is trying to flip. So stay tuned. Uh, now here's another player on the defense that I would love Miami to land for a number of different reasons. And the most important of those being he's a really good player. This is a four-star linebacker in the class of 2024. But I would love Miami to land Chris Cole out of Virginia. He is not only an excellent linebacker at six foot three, 210, 215 pounds, but he happens to be the nephew of Rohan Marley, 
who's, of course, the son of Bob Marley. And Rohan played at Miami, played linebacker in the early 90s and was so much fun to watch. Now, thankfully, Cole is a lot bigger than Uncle Rohan, who is about five foot eight. Chris Cole is six foot three. So he got the gift of size that his uncle did not get. Uh, so with with uh, with Chris Cole, this is a player I've talked about him a lot on social media. I haven't talked about him enough on the show. Uh, Virginia Tech is actually considered a slight trending favorite for him on on three, but I'm not sure how accurate that is because he doesn't have a visit set up there yet to this point. He does have a Miami visit set up for the weekend of June 23rd. So he's going to be another one visiting that weekend, but he's also going to be visiting throughout the month of June Penn State. So he's going to see our old friend Manny Diaz. Georgia and Notre Dame. Those are other OVs he's got set up for the month of June. But here's what Chris Cole, uh, nephew of Rohan Marley, had to say about Miami. I was super excited about getting that offer, he said, since my uncle played there too. This quote was given to Kane Sport, by the way. It's super special because he played there and he did well there too. Uh, I would say he was one of the best linebackers to ever play there. It would be great to follow in his footsteps. He always tells me to have quick feet, Cole said on Uncle Rohan. I remember the first thing he told me when I was in eighth grade was to buy a rope and do ropes all the time. He also told me to go to the beach and run. Now, um, Chris Cole also said in that interview that he does not have the musical chops that uh, that Bob Marley had, his relative. But it, I think if he keeps playing football at the level he's playing at, He's going to be all right, folks. So this is another player I would love to see Miami land. And we're going to have a better idea how the nephew of Rohan. And what would that make him like the great nephew of Bob? Mar I think so. It'd make him the great nephew of Bob Marley. We're going to know more about where Miami stands with Chris Cole after that visit in less than a month's time. But we're going to know where we stand with the truth teller coming up next. You want to keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And guys, if you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories. You need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing. You won't think that they're good for you, but you got to try this. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream i'm not sure how built does it but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros only 130 calories just four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait to get a box for years we've been talking about ordering built bars at built.com and now you can get them at your local walmart or sam's club and you can still get your specialty flavors at built.com that's right Head to your nearest Walmart today, or if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff. You can thank me later because I love me some Built Bars. You know, we love Tuesdays here on Locked on Canes, and it's a Truth Teller Tuesday, and we're actually doing the Truth Teller Tuesday on a Tuesday this week. No crazy calendar wrinkles or anything like that so we are joined by and man you ruffled some feathers last week bruce bruce warner is with us how are you man uh, i'm okay i read those things and i'm thinking to myself well i'm going to go on today's show and predict 12 and 0 <laughs> we're going to beat florida state in the title game and we're going to wind up playing in the playoffs i don't know what's going to happen after that but no more negativity I'm tired of being called Mr. Negative. Oh, I'm just telling you about how I feel. And these guys jumped down my throat. Wow. So you know what? If we're going to talk about wide receivers today, I figured I better bring in some help. So I reached out and I got my friend Daryl 
Spencer to be on with us today. So now we could talk about it, and I won't get the brunt of all the negativity. (laughs) Bruce is going to deflect to Daryl, and Daryl Spencer is with us. Former Miami Hurricanes wide receiver, late 80s, early 90s. He was recruited and and played first year under Jimmy Johnson, then played for Dennis Erickson as well. And Daryl Spencer is a two-time national champion. So we can't thank you enough, Daryl, for joining the show. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine, man. How's everything? Uh, Everything's going great. Thanks for having me. Hey, hey, Daryl, listen. I'm having some camera difficulties still, but I'm here. He said it before. He likes your show. I told you, everybody loves you, Alex. You're the man. Yeah, Alex, I, I watch you all the time, and um, very informative, and uh, a lot of information keeps me up to date. So I appreciate the work you do. Keep it up. Well, and Daryl doesn't know that he and I we sabotaged Daryl's camera because we didn't want him to be the most handsome member of the trio. <laughs> we, we we're completely holding we're holding Daryl Spencer down. I was trying to look pretty too. That's, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, he just came from the makeup chair. And that's the- right. <laughs> Now we can't have that, you know. Two, two, I'm an old ugly guy, and you're a middle aged ugly guy. We can't That's have right. <laughs> now, you know. So first of all, Daryl, I I get the sense, especially since you you watch this show on a regular basis. I know you keep very close tabs on the program these days. You're a two time national champion, so I'm sure it's been tough watching some of these lean years. But you're also a, a former teammate of Mario Cristobal, so. Do you think the Hurricanes have the right guy in charge now? And is Mario going to be able to turn this around? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, everyone just needs to be patient. You know, I know us Hurricane people that we're uh, we're not the most patient people around, but um, it's going to take some patience. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, it's going to take a, you know, a few years to get everything turned around, you know, especially when the program has down, been down like we have been for so long. Um, it takes time to flip a roster. You know, that's pretty much what Mario's had to do. Um, so, I look forward to the next few years and seeing how we grow. And, and I know Mario will get us there. Yeah, that's an interesting point because a lot of people, including myself, when Mario signed on, I figured we're going to win nine or ten games. We're going to play for the ACC title last year. And guess what? I was wrong. But you know what? Daryl said it. A, he, he had to flip the roster because yeah. um, he knew when he got here, when he went to the practices in the spring, he was telling a lot of us, I can't believe what I'm seeing out there. The talent level. The, their ability to play hard and to work hard. They didn't have that. So, and then you got coaches that really didn't fit. So now he got rid of all those people, <clears throat> excuse me. And, you know, now, <clears throat> excuse me, now we're going to go forward. Now we're going to see the progress that he's made. The last year was like a throwaway year, but he still had to figure out what he needed to do. And I, I believe he's done it. You know, and, and Daryl, yeah, and, and on, I feel- you know, I, I was I, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I, I was going to ask you, you know, how do you feel about the roster turnover, especially at the position you played? Because they went out there and got two guys in the transfer portal. Tyler Harrell, who's a South Florida kid who had been at Louisville and Alabama incredibly fast. And they go out and get Shamar Kirk, who was one of the better Juco wide receivers out there. How do you feel about what's brewing at your position? It, it looks good. Um, looks like we have uh, complete receivers, complete receivers that can do it all, and that's, that's what you need on the roster. You know, guys that can take the top off, guys that can uh, – they're great route runners, you know, uh, great hand, great, great catchers. Um, of course, you want receivers that can do it all, but normally on the roster you have guys that specialize in different things. I think we have that now. Yeah, you know, Daryl, um, a lot of these – I'm looking at the names here. There's like 11 receivers. 
But there's only one really true big guy, Colby Young. I mean, you could say Ladson's big, but he's just not really in the rotation, or he shouldn't be. The rest of these guys seem like slot receivers, but some of them can take the top off, like this Harold kid from Alabama. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's important. Now, what was your role when you were with the posse with Lamar and those guys? You were what, in the slot? I was, yeah, I was a slot guy. Um, you know, but we, we could pretty much do it all, the four of us, me, Kevin Williams, Lamar um and Horace you know we, we did it all but uh you know we we it was four of us that, that played a lot so we specialized in different things um but the four of us I mean I think the the, the main difference was we, we were hungry all of us were hungry and we were unselfish we didn't care who got the ball you know we if one of us shined we cheered them on and um we worked hard in practice every day I mean that's the key you got to put the work in um on, on the practice field before the lights come on and when the lights come on it's easy you know you just make plays so I think the key is um, with with any receiver group or any any player any position, you're just putting the work in, um, and it's it's going to take time. But you have to get that mentality as a, as a practice player first, and then when the, when the games come, it's easy. When the lights come on, it's easy. You know, it makes it easy. So you know, I had mentioned this before when I was on with Alex, and maybe you heard it. I don't know, but to me, the offensive line is critical, very critical. First of all, they've got to protect Van Dyke; he can't get hurt again. And second of all, it's critical because, as you had Stephen McGuire, you had a running attack. They just couldn't ignore him. Now, right now, we don't really have a a, a true star running back unless uh, Fletcher plays. Uh, you know, and I and I think it's critical for the passing game that they run the damn ball. They've got to be able to run the ball this year to open it up for these wide receivers. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, that, and that's a key. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you got to have a running game to have any kind of passing game. You know, you can't be one dimensional. You know, especially uh, in any time, not not just back when we played, but especially now, you can't be one dimensional. Coaches are too good for that, and they scheme up to to a one dimensional team too well. So, um, you got to be able to run the ball first. And uh, keep them honest. You can't just pass the ball forty times a game. It just doesn't work very well that way. But um, I think with uh, with the additions we have on offensive offensive line, um, I think we'll be a lot better in that department this year, um, and that will help the running game as well. And um, you said we don't we don't really have a, a true big number one running back. I mean, but I think you, we can get it done by committee. I mean, now now in time uh, today's time, you pretty much have to have you know three or four backs that can get it done. You know, you don't want to have a guy running 30 times a game anymore. Um, the pound is just too rough on your body. So if you have two or three guys that can get it done, I think that's that's ideal. We have the pleasure of being joined here by former Miami Hurricanes wide receiver Daryl Spencer, two-time national champion at the U. And when we come back, I want to talk about those battles on Green Tree. I know <laughs> Mario's trying to bring some of that back. So you want to keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. And for the everydayers, you can take your everydayer experience to the next level by subscribing to our exclusive SMS texting service through subtext. I'm including a link in the show description below. You can get text to your phone directly from mine. I give you guys show previews, exclusive notes, recruiting scoops, and we can all chat in there with each other. So if you want to try it completely free for the first 14 days, then you can opt in for $4.99 a month, but try it free for 14 days. We include the link in the show description below. We are joined by former Miami Hurricanes wideout Daryl Spencer. Now, Daryl, um, you know, I, I hear this story, uh, different variations of it, of course, from Miami Hurricanes players uh, from the glory days like yourself about just how much tougher 
it was during the week on Green Tree than it was on Saturdays. Can can you even describe what it was like, whether it was Jimmy or Dennis? What were those practices like back in the late '80s, early '90s? Yeah, when we we first came in, of course, uh, Jimmy Johnson was our was got recruited us in in '88. It was like a different world. I mean, uh, it was like everything was warp speed, um, and it seemed like we were having grueling practices every single day you know and i was like whoa what i get myself into you know it's come from high school to this and i play and uh, i played right away it was uh it was an experience but it was a good experience for me um taught me how to be tough mentally and physically and um prepared me to to have a successful college career but uh on, on the field i mean we uh it was just the mentality um which was jimmy instilled in us early um you have to be a practice player first before you even think about getting into games and we had to prove ourselves on the field. So we had quite a few battles out there. You know, we had fights and everything else, but you know, at the end of the day, we were all um, friends that, you know, we didn't take it off the practice field, of course, but we battled on the practice field, just like it was game time, every single practice. So I think that's what separated us from other teams back in those days. We, we, we practiced harder than we played during game in most, most cases. Yeah. And I was down there. I saw a lot of those practices and, yeah, you mentioned the fighting. There was always yelling and screaming and fighting, but there was competition amongst you guys. And you had not, well, they, they won in 83, they won in 87, but you guys still felt like you were underdogs. You still felt like it was us against the world. You had that mentality. That mentality doesn't exist anymore down there. And that's a, to me, that's a big part of it because everybody was fighting for their jobs. The, 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 the battles on the offensive line with Leon and, and Claude and Mario and Darren Handy and then Kelvin, against Russell, Maryland, and, you know, and those guys, it was, and Cortez, it was brutal. It was just brutal. I, 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 Mark yeah. made a comment that, uh, I guess it was Dwayne Johnson went up against Leon once, and Leon was panting. Yeah. <laughs> so those things were, and, and, and they'd walk off the field to go into those tubs, of tubs of ice, and they were still yelling and barking at each other. But when it came oh, yeah. to the state, they were all on the same page, all of them. Good, good times, man. It, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we had some heated battles, but you know, like I said, we kept it on the practice field. We didn't we didn't take it off, and we were we were all brothers at the end of the day. That was that was the key, and um, I think that's what uh why we had so so much success. We knew that you know we battled hard, but when it came um Saturday, you know the other team was in trouble. You know we knew we put in the work, and uh, when we put up those four four fingers, which we invented by the way. Yeah, we put up those four fingers. Um, we knew that meant something, and so did the other team. They knew it meant something too. During your years at Miami, what was your record against Florida State, and what were your biggest memories of that rivalry? Because it, it it's always been something, Daryl. But in your years, it was something extra special. Yeah, I mean that's that's part of the reason I went to Miami. Um, you know, it certainly wasn't for the facilities, and you know, well. Had a couple guys from Merritt Island, Bub McDowell and Hurley Brown went there. I, I wanted to follow their footsteps too. Eric Ham, my cousin. Um, but it, it, it was certainly wasn't because Miami was a great place for its facilities and campus and students and all that stuff. Um, you know, because I went many other places to visit and uh, you know, the atmosphere was different. And but Miami just felt special, you know, just it was just something about it that that drew me there. Um, of course, they won a national championship a year before, and I knew we could win there. But uh, when I got there, just the, the brotherhood, when I got down there, I, I could feel it. You know, it, was, it wasn't fake. And those guys were genuine, and, you know, they, they told me like it was. They said, if you come here, you have to work hard to play. And they were right. You have to work hard every single day. And uh, it, it made us turn us into men, for sure. 
How did you get when you got recruited by Jimmy? Because a lot of these guys, Hambone, Caesar, I forgot who else was telling me these stories. Leon, that they went down there and they had they visited the U and they said, "All right, well, you know, we'll let you know we're going to go to Florida or Florida State next." And he said, "If you walk off this campus now, you don't commit to me. Don't come back." Did he say that to you? Yeah, um, you know, they they, they <laughs> wanted me to commit right then, and um, I really wouldn't give my commitment right away before I took other visits. And actually, I. I think I committed to Georgia Tech. I fell in love with Atlanta. I ended up playing for the Falcons for a few years too, but I fell in love more with the city. I think it was and Hurley and Bubba and, and my cousin Ham and they, all those guys got with me and um, kind of gave me a hard time about it. But I, I knew in my heart Miami was a place for me, uh, so I, I changed my commitment and, and committed to Miami. Smart move. Yeah, so it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it was, like you made the right move. choice in the end. Yeah, no. And and what was um the the differences in the two coaches you played for? Because it seemed like and and you talked about you know when you came in Jimmy had set that culture. What was the transition like from Jimmy to Dennis, and how were they different? Um, Jimmy was uh you know Jimmy was Jimmy. You know everyone pretty much knows the stories about Jimmy, and they're pretty much all true. He was hardcore, um, but a very good person. You know, but on the field he was hardcore, and uh, we had to go to work every day. Um, same thing with Dennis. Dennis was a made us work hard as well. He was more of a player's coach. Um, you know, part part of the t- the guys. You know, he's one of the guys. But you know, we worked just as hard. Uh, I think when Dennis got here, we uh, got him used to the culture as well. You know, all, all those when all those coaches came in, it was something for them to see for the first time too. They they were kind of in awe of what they saw too, the way we worked. And uh, you know, our, our guy said, "Well, we can change the offense," which, which Dennis changed and took, gave us the. Uh, Three receiver set, one back deal that changed from uh, Miami's Miami from the previous years. But um, those guys said, "Please don't change the defense. This is what we do on defense. Don't change it." And Dennis kept that kept the same defense, and the rest is history. And so I, I got to ask you, Daryl. Um, you know, and I talked earlier in this episode about how you know, for what it's worth, the publication Athlon Sports has predicted Miami for an eight and four season this coming year and to finish uh, fourth inside the ACC. How are you expecting the team to bounce back from last year? What kind of a season are you expecting? Yeah, like I said, I think, I think it's dependent on, on the work they put in. You know, it's, it's no one can, I mean, all the publications, they can say whatever they want, but you know, you can't see what's inside, what's inside those players hearts, you know? So if they have a dog in them, like we had 30 years ago, did I say 30 years, over 30 years, been that long. Wow. Wow. Over 30 years ago, it's been a long time. <laughs> but uh, if, if they have that fighting dog in them, you, you, um, no one can really say what they can do. You know, It's just depending on how hard they're willing to work and the passion and drive and all the energy they're willing to put in it. You know, who's, who, who's, who's to say what a record could be? So, um, But you have to you know, put the work in. Be successful for you sure. Know, I, I was thinking about this, and I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Uh, maybe it was when Mark was on, whoever. Uh, but, you know, now – I don't know who the leaders are on the team. When you guys were there, you knew who the leaders were. Some of them were vocal. Some of them, like Russell, was just um, – he was very quiet, but you didn't mess around when you were on the field with Russell around. I don't know who the leaders are now. And I think that's something that Mario's got to develop with these guys. Somebody's got to take over the defense. I know before you got there, Jerome was the leader. Nobody's effed around with, with, with Jerome. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, but I, I hope there's something, somebody that takes over the leadership of this team. Yeah. He, I, I agree with you. I mean, leadership is very important, especially when you're dealing with a, you know, you're trying to create a culture, you know, but somebody's got to step up and take that lead with, with a new culture. So um, it's, I'm uh, anxious to see what guys are going to step up because uh, really at every position, you got to have a leader. 
You know, every position needs somebody to take the lead and the rest going to follow. Um, but somebody's got to step up in every position. And of course, you got your leaders for, you know, for the offense and defense and you know the whole team. But at every position, you got to have someone that's going to take that lead role, show you how to work, show you how to practice, show you how to prepare, show you how to eat, you know, all those things um, to, to be successful as a team. Yeah. And also just to follow up on that, you know, there were um, there were no stars. They didn't have those star systems. They didn't have recruits making announcements. I'm taking my talents to Miami for the next three or four years. Figuring, <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine social media during my time. Couldn't even oh, imagine. Man. <laughs> couldn't even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, you don't have that. Now these guys come in here. They're freshmen. They're expected to play. And if they don't play, they're going to bolt. You guys, a lot of you guys had to sit. You didn't sit, but a lot of guys had to sit. Leon had to sit. I know Mario was a backup to Leo for, Leon for a year or two, yeah. so he had to sit. It just, yeah. This this whole world is different now with what's yeah. going. I mean, we we really all had to sit. I, I mean, I my freshman year I was a punt returner, kick returner, but after that I had to sit behind you know Wesley Carroll for two years in the slot before I played. I mean, I played, but Wesley was the man in front of me, and and Wesley was I, I mimicked everything Wesley did. You know, I followed him. I I learned how to practice. I learned how to how to eat. You know, I learned how you know how to be disciplined. All those things Wesley taught me. Um, at, at my position, so all the young guys that are sitting, you can't, you can't be. I mean, you can't be afraid to sit and learn. You know, I think that's what a lot of these young guys nowadays they want to come in and, and start right away. But a lot, most of these guys aren't ready for that. You have to sit back, get your body right, get your mentality right. Um, it's a different game from high school. You know, just like you know, from college to pro, it's a diff- totally different game. So not everyone's ready to take that step right away. But uh, patience. Um, and hard work is going to get you there, but you can't be too, uh, ready to jump the gun and just come in and be a starter day one. Some people can do that, but most can't. Most aren't ready for that. I, I think Wesley might be one of the most underrated players in the history of Miami Hurricane football. I agree. Absolutely. I totally agree. Really, really good. Really good. Absolutely. I, I want to send a huge thank you and a shout out to Daryl Spencer for joining us, former Miami Hurricanes receiver. It, it won't be the last time, Daryl. We won't be strangers here. Hopefully you want to come on again. And I want to send a huge thanks to Bruce. And and if you guys missed it, Bruce Warner went on record today, 12-0, and <laughs> going to beat Florida State, going to get to the college. <laughs> I like it, Bruce. <laughs> so we got Bruce on board. I yep. like it. I One like more it. Undefeated. I'm going to do my um, my uh, Kelvin Harris Mimic. He's always 12 and 0 every year. 12 oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he does he does do that. He predicts 12 and 0 every year. I I, I love him. I love him. <laughs> but hey, um, I, I appreciate you uh you having me on, Alex. Like I said, any listeners out there, if you're if you're just for first time listening, Alex, great content, has on great uh uh visitors every time. Um, you keep me informed. I'm sure he keeps everyone else informed. Keep doing what you're doing. Bruce, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Don't you be a stranger. You too. Thanks so much. And Daryl, are you on social media anywhere, anywhere the fans can find you? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Facebook. I mean, I'm, sometimes I do Twitter, not much, but mostly, mostly Facebook. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. So search for, for Daryl Spencer, two R's and a Y, and Daryl, search for him on there. Make friends. Let's build that Canes community. So thanks to everyone who took time out of your day. Make sure to subscribe to our pod. If you're listening to the audio version, leave us a five-star review. If you're watching the video version, hit the thumbs up on YouTube, subscribe to our channel, and we will talk to you again next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.